My message today is called, Are You Seeing God? And with that, I have a question. Are you worshiping the God you heard about? Or are you worshiping the God you encountered? Or are you worshiping the God that you see? I believe that there are levels of intimacy. We all know that. You can meet a person and you can know a person. And how many of you know that after you know a person and you decide to marry them, then you really get to know the person? (laughs) There are levels of intimacy. Life is full of information. But we don't want to just have information about God. We want to have the experience of God. To quickly capsulize uh, this message and to frame it in a context so that you'll understand where I'm going, I took the liberty to get some pictures and show you what they look like in black and white. Part of this question is, are you worshiping the God you heard about? When you worship the God that you heard about, you're really only experiencing him in black and white. You may have read about him, heard about him, but it's still a black and white experience. And uh, I want you to experience, as we all have at different times, the difference between seeing something in black and white or then the difference of seeing something in vivid color. I wonder if this very first row, if we could cut it out and we might get a, a bit more brightness on that screen It may not wash out. Okay, I think it's the TV lights. That's all right. Let's go to the next one. And yet, let's do it again, Matt. Next one. No, next one. pretty ordinary until you see it in full color. Stunning. It's a very limited experience when you're only worshiping the God that you heard about. It's a whole nother experience when you worship the God that you have an encounter with. But I want to tell you, you'll go to another level when you worship the God that you see. Moses had three defining moments in his life. Three things that really defined his experience with God. And I want you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus. Moses' first experience with God. God was the God he heard about. Moses was born into a world where Hebrew babies were killed as they were being born. I'm going to say that again. Moses was being born into a world, was born into a world where Hebrew babies were killed as they were being born. I don't know if you made the connection yet. Do you know every time God was getting to do something great, whether it was the birth of Moses or the birth of Christ, every time God was getting ready to do something great, the enemy moved his hand and started to exterminate the next generation. In Exodus chapter 1, Verse 15 to 17, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Sipra and Pua, verse 16, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool. So the midwives are sitting on the stool while the women are in childbirth. If you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, 
let her live. I hope that speaks to you politically about the culture that we're living in. Now, this isn't what my message is about, but it smacked me in the face this morning as I looked at it again, and I can't help but point it out. Let's go to the next verse. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Can I give you a by the way? You know what happens when you stand up against the decree of an ungodly nation? Let's have a look at verse 20. So God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. Just as a side note, don't tell me abortion is a political issue. It is first and foremost a spiritual issue. But this is the context, this is the environment that Moses was being born in. If we go to uh, Exodus chapter 2, because he was born into this environment, the story goes on to say, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. Moses was from the tribe of Levi. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's brother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. Moses spent some time with his mother, his father, and learned about his people and learned about the God of his fathers. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Let's go to the next uh, verse. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. You notice Moses grew up in Pharaoh's courts. He grew up as Pharaoh's grandson. And yet he identified with his own people and he went out, why? Moses knew who he was. He heard about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he identified with his people and he went out to see them and he watched them at their hard labor and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Up until this point, Moses, though he grew up in the courts of Pharaoh, he worshiped a God that he had heard about. And I want to challenge you this morning, are you only worshiping a God that you heard about? To hear about God only is not very different than seeing the world in black and white. And I'm going to take a moment, I want to show you a video clip of people who are colorblind, born colorblind. And uh, they created, they invented these sunglasses 
that when a colorblind person is matched with the right sunglasses, they will see in color for the very first time. And you are about to watch several people who are gifted these sunglasses and get to see the world in full color. Thank you, guys. When you worship the God you heard about, you're still living in a world of black and white. Moses heard about the God of his fathers. Who do you worship? Do you worship the God you heard about? Or do you worship the God you encountered? You see, if we look at the very next verse where I left off, Go back to verse 11. We're going to read it again. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses deliberately killed this man. Now you have to understand something. That Moses lived in an empire where the pharaohs ruled with an iron hand. And if they said that someone was to be executed, they would be executed. They drove a whole populace of people as slaves and bid, built what we refer to as the amazing, the marvelous pyramids and all of those wonderful feats of architecture that tourists swarm from around the world to see in Egypt. But it was at the blood, it was at the sweat, it was at the beatings, the whippings of a minority people. Moses was part of those people. And he saw the hardship of his people. He knew the God, he heard about the God of his forefathers, he identified with his people, but because he only heard about God, he was living with God in black and white. And so Moses takes matters into his own hands and he deliberately looks for a way to settle the score to deal with the problem. Friend, I want to tell you that if you've only had an experience of hearing about God, you will take things into your own matter and it'll go from black and white to absolutely deathly dark. Life is pretty grim when you've only heard about God. Next verse. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. You know what that verse tells me? The issue in our world isn't racism. The issue in our world is people. Because now you got two people of the same tribe fighting each other. 
Moses went out and saw two Hebrews fighting, and he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Verse 14, the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Moses' only experience with God was the things he heard. And growing up in Pharaoh's court, Pharaoh was worshipped as a deity and he saw the harshness, the severity, and the cruelty and the extreme abundance of a man. He saw the wealth, but he saw it on, on the backs and the expense of his own people. And so Moses sees Pharaoh as being a cruel dictator, a harsh deity. While he never believed in him as a deity, he saw him and projected what he understood about Pharaoh. And sometimes when you only live on the rumor of God, like Job said, I have lived on the rumor of God, but now I know him. And too often we live on the rumor of God. And God wants to call you, God wants to draw you, and God wants to get hold of your spirit so that you go from people who are living in a spiritual world that's black and white, and he wants to bring you into the full color of who he is. Can I get an agreement? See, Moses was afraid. He knew what would happen if he killed that man because in Egypt, one of the uh, penalties for, uh, uh, um, for murder was that they would impale people on a stake. At times, they would cut them up and feed them to crocodiles. And so Moses knew some of the outcomes they could possibly be facing him because he had killed another Egyptian. And so he went and he hid. Praise God. I want to go to the next passage, Matt. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Moses left Egypt. He went out into the desert to a place called Midian. He met some fine-looking girls, met the father, and he ended up marrying one of them. His father-in-law was Jethro, the priest of Midian. And Moses was out in the desert leading the flocks to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire. When you do Bible school with us, we start to go through all the manifestations of God. And one of the things that you will see in the Hebrew is that every time the Bible in the Old Testament talks about the angel of the Lord, it is none other but a visitation of Jesus Christ. So whenever you're reading in the Hebrew, and I invite you to sign up for Bible school, graceandfaith.college, graceandfaith.college, it's fully accredited uh, by religious institutions, and after three years, you'll get a bachelor's degree. But whenever you read in the Word of God, it says, the angel of the Lord, that's Jesus Christ appearing. And it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw uh, that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. Verse 3. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why is it that this bush is burning, but it doesn't burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here am I. I want to stop. You can hear about God and know about God, but it's a whole nother experience to actually encounter God. And God will appear in circumstances. God will appear in situations. But I want you to see something. The burning bush was at a distance. 
And God never spoke until Moses took the effort, made the effort to approach the burning bush. And when God saw that Moses came near, God appeared and he spoke to Moses. Situations in your life have knocked opportunities have called your name and that's because the spirit of God will draw all men and God doesn't want you to just know about him God wants you to have an encounter with him and when you go from worshiping the God you heard about to worshiping the God you encounter a whole world of color will open up before your very eyes religion is the God you heard about But coming to Jesus Christ and asking him into your heart and letting him forgive you of your sins and live inside of you is the God that you can encounter today. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, If you've grown up as a good Baptist, a good uh, Catholic, or a a good Pentecostal, or a good Protestant, I want to tell you there is a huge difference between the God you heard about and the God you can encounter. If you're watching today, I urge you to consider the God that you can encounter in this service. God will appear. God will knock on your consciousness. God will talk to you. But it's up to you whether or not you'll walk over to the burning bush. And it's only when you walk over to the burning bush that God will say, Hello, here I am. Thank you. Let's go to the next verse. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Isn't it interesting that Moses' first encounter with God, immediately he starts to encounter the God who is so holy, he's absolutely right. You can't be holy and have a broken character. You can't be holy and be wrong. Let me put it that way. You can't be holy and be in error. The holiness of God is the perfection of God. He is holy because he can't think one wicked thought. He can't look at you and be prejudiced. He can't look at you and despise you. He can't look at you and hate you. He can't look at you and say, well, I like this person more than you. To be holy is to be absolutely just and to be absolutely righteous. And everything about God is pure. Everything about God is truth. Everything about God is absolutely right. And so he won't love one group of people, one nationality, one color of skin more than he loves another. God doesn't favor anyone. He wants to favor everyone. Can I get an agreement? And so as soon as Moses has enough curiosity to approach that bush, God starts to show himself and God starts to declare that he is holy, he is pure, he is righteous, he is right. Everything about him is always right. Can I get an amen, church? If we go on to the next verse, it says, Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. What God was doing here, he was saying, Moses, I'm the God you've only heard about. But today, I'm the God that you're encountering. God doesn't want you to live on the rumors of him. He wants you to live in the experience of him. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. You see that verse right there? That's what I've been talking about for the last few weeks. You see, Moses experienced a father type called Pharaoh, a male authority figure in his life who could be benevolent one moment 
and could be hell, fire, and brimstone the next. He could give you the luxuries of his palace and impale you on a stake the next day. And Moses is looking at God through the projection of what he experienced in life in the form of Pharaoh. I've been saying during this series, which is called Judging God, that many times we judge God out of our own brokenness. We judge God out of our own fears and insecurity. We judge God out of the rumors of religion about God. We judge God out of our experience with our dad, our mother, our uncle, our grandpa, whoever molested us, whoever beat us, whoever shamed us, whoever told us we were stupid, whoever rejected us, whoever abandoned us, and so many times and it is Satan's plan. If he can't annihilate you at birth, he wants to destroy the vision of what your God looks like. Moses was afraid to look at God. He had never had an experience with God before. There was no mental intellect, no rationale, no reason for him to be afraid of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, except that he had experienced a male authority figure who could love you one minute and impale you and feed you to the crocodiles the next. So many times we hide from God when we've done wrong. A lot of us hide from God even when we haven't done wrong. We've gone from the rumors of God. We've gone from worshiping the God we've heard about. But we have an encounter with him. But that encounter, while it's an encounter, it's enough to save you. but it's only a small portion of the whole picture. And so Moses is having an encounter with God, but the mere fact that he was afraid to look at God tells me something very clearly. He still hasn't seen the heart and the character of God. We project onto God out of our hurts and out of our disappointments. And out of the wounds that others have brought to us. And church, it's been over a month now. And before I started preaching this series, that I, in, the, in the morning prayer meetings, this sense of intercession has come over me. Where I just feel like God's saying, I want them to see me. I want them to see me. Because I believe that when we see him, when we see him, Life will never be the same. You see, I look at God through different eyes than when I first asked Jesus Christ into my heart. When I first asked Jesus into my heart, I looked at God through the eyes of a sinner. After I got saved, I looked at God through the eyes of a son, but I projected onto him all of my earthly relationships, all the dictates of human experience and relationship marred and tainted my image of God. And over the last few weeks, I've reminded you that God said to Moses, tell the people not to have any graven images. Don't carve out gods of stone or wood or precious metals. Don't have any other gods in front of you. But the enemy is very clever because if he can't get you to worship a god of stone or a god of wood or a god of money, then he'll get you to worship a god who is cut out of an image that doesn't reflect the God of the universe. And so many Christians are worshiping an image of God that has been carved out by bitter experiences. They're worshiping an image of God that is carved out by religion, carved out by the hurtful words and the hurtful ways of humanity. Friend, I want to tell you, I believe that God has taken us on a journey the same way he was taking Moses on a journey. And God wants to take you from the backside of the desert into his presence and he wants you to not just have a glimpse of who he is. He wants you to live in the reality of seeing who he is every day. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
And there are so many of us that are afraid to look at God. When the opportunity comes to worship out the front, not everyone, but some of us stay in our seats because we just feel like we can't get that close. And that is not necessarily indicative of people who don't come out the front. Please don't feel judged or condemned and don't look at people and say, oh, he didn't come out the front. You could come out the front and be a two-faced and be a hypocrite. Did I make the playing field level now? Most of us are like the rest of us. Some of us put on a better show. But most of us are like the rest of us. Are you hearing me, church? Moses knew that Pharaoh, who was worshipped as a deity, would take his life because he committed murder. And sometimes we're too afraid to look at the face of God because of the things in our past. And I want to tell you that God wants to cover your past. When you take accountability and acknowledge your past and you step into Jesus Christ, you don't have a past, you have a future. You don't have a history, you have a destiny. And coming to Jesus Christ is the paramount, most important thing that you can do. You can try to worship the God of your fathers, but until you have an encounter with God, you're still seeing in black and white. And God wants you to see in living color. Can I get an agreement? Then Moses has another encounter. This time, he experiences the God that he saw. So he went from the God that he heard about to the God he encountered at the burning bush. And in Exodus chapter 33, after God uses Moses mightily, <laughs> he takes Moses back into Egypt. And he uses Moses to set the Hebrew people free. And when we go into Exodus uh, Chapter 33, Moses is now leading the people out of Egypt, going through a journey on their way to the promised land. Every one of us are here on a journey. I want to tell you that Moses had an experience with God in the desert, and he saw God. We're going to read about when he saw God and how he saw God. But he was on a journey together with three million other people. But Moses stopped to have a moment with his dad. He stopped in the middle of the desert to see God. I talked to you the first week about how Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. And I posed this question to you. How is it they walked with God in the cool of the day? And yet when the serpent came... Satan came as a serpent, the liar. How is it that he could tell them a lie about the character and the nature of God and they swallowed it, they ate it and swallowed it before they ever bit into the apple? It wasn't biting into the apple that cursed them. It was believing a lie about God that cursed them. It wasn't eating the apple that destroyed humanity. It was eating the lie about God. And Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. They walked with God in the convenience of life. Isn't it interesting that they weren't experiencing God in the heat of the day, only in the cool of the day? Moses' first encounter with God wasn't in the cool of the day. It was in the heat of the desert, and he went to a hotter place, a burning bush, because he was hungry for something more. Many of us fill the pews of church. We number in the ranks of Christianity. But we are worshiping God in the cool of the day. As long as it's comfortable and as long as it's convenient. I told you two weeks ago when I preached that message that the parable of the sower was that some seed fell on rocky ground and its roots couldn't go deep enough, but it came alive. It flourished. 
until the heat came. Adam and Eve worshiped God in the cool of the day. So you've had an encounter with God, but are you worshiping him in the cool of the day? Are you worshiping God when the hot sun is beating down on you? And are you singing praises and trusting who he is and giving glory to his name when you're in a dry and thirsty place? In Exodus 33, three million people are on a journey, but only one stops to see God. That amazes me. You see, all these Hebrew children, every one of them was without excuse because every single one of them saw the acts of God. I want to tell you that seeing the acts of God isn't necessarily life transforming. I've seen people get healed in this church. I've seen them get healed in this service. I've seen cripples walk. I've seen deaf people hear. I've seen people with tumors totally be delivered and set free. And then I've never seen them again. You can see, you can experience the acts of God. But until you see God, that's a game changer. And so, verse Chapter 33, verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name. God said to Moses, I know you by name. Moses has thrown it back at God. You've said, I know you by name. And you've said, Moses, you found favor with me. Let's go to the next verse. So then... If you're pleased with me, teach, you, teach me your ways so that I might know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Let me ask you a question. Now that you're here, now that you're at this point in your journey, now that you've come this far, are you still asking to know God? It's one of the things I love about Moses, and I believe it's a key to Moses' life as a successful man of God. He was never satisfied with what he heard or what he encountered. He constantly pushed to go deeper into who God is. And that mentality and that heart attitude set Moses up for what we're about to see. Let's go to the next verse. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. Stop. Here, there. Does it matter whether you're here or there? Yeah, here was under the hot, blistering wind of the desert. The heat and the breeze that came would bring sand and grit between your teeth and then it would act like sandpaper under your armpits and between your legs and every other joint use your own imagination. <laughs> Moses said, I'd rather stay here in the desert than go there. Where's there? The promised land. He said, here in the desert with your presence is better than being in a land of prosperity, in a land of milk and honey. So much of the gospel has become only about prosperity. I'd rather walk with God in the heat of the day with sand blowing in my hair and in my feet and in my teeth and in my armpits. I'd rather experience the presence of God in the midst of inconvenience than live in the lap of luxury without God. And unfortunately, we're giving birth to a church here in America that wants to know God in the lap of convenience, that wants to know God in the lap of luxury, that wants to know God only in the promise of prosperity. Church, listen to me, because for a whole month before I started this series, every morning I'd start to weep because I felt God saying, I want my people to know me deeper, to experience me, I want them to 
see me. And you can go from American Christianity and fill up the status quo of contentment. But God wants you to have an experience with him so that your life and your roots will go so deep that it doesn't matter if the desert sun and the desert wind blows against you, you will stay standing till the end. Moses said, I'm not going to trade places. I don't want to go from here. If I've got to go without your presence, I'm not satisfied to go there in a place of milk and honey and wealth and convenience. So let me ask you about your personal life. How do you worship God? Are you a fair weather Christian? Are you happy with God when there's shade covering? And do you get mad at God when you don't understand what's going on? When he didn't do things in your timing and he didn't do things the way you want him to do? I want to tell you, Moses had an encounter with God, but he's about to see God. And it's this kind of a heart attitude that took him from point one to point two and finally to point three. You see, your mindset, your attitude, the way your thoughts have been framed, how you've been engineered or geared up through the things and the garbage you've heard in life will fashion how you think and how you see. And I believe that God wants to shake his church and he wants to shake you and he wants to shake me. He wants to shake every one of us so that we start to have a different mentality, a different mindset, a different heart set. Moses is a phenomenal example because even though he's in the midst of inconvenience, he wants God and nothing else. It wasn't the luxuries of a promised land. He already forsook the luxuries of Egypt. He was willing to forego the promised land, the land of milk and honey. As long as he had God, he was happy wherever he was. The apostle Paul was as powerful as he was in the New Testament because he came to this realization. He said, I am content whether I'm poor or wealthy, whether I'm starving or fed, I have learned the secret of being content. And I want to tell you that contentment is knowing God, seeing God, and resting in the fullness of who God is. We go to the next verse. Verse 16. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Notice Moses didn't say, what will distinguish me from the rest of your people? We're often looking for a God who will set us apart from everyone else. God's building his kingdom. And we are kingdom people. Can I get an amen? Next verse. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you ask because I am pleased with you and I have known you by name. Stop. What did Moses ask up until this point? He said, I don't want to go to the promised land unless your presence comes. Is that right? Is that correct? That's all he's asked. So Jesus, uh, God is saying, okay, I hear you. I'm proud of you. And the conversation could have ended there. The moment could have ended there. The experience could have ended there. There are levels of intimacy. Watch this next verse because it explodes into brilliant color and high definition. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Moses could have had the blessing, he could have had the promise, he could have had the land of milk and honey and God. He could have had his cake and eat it too, but he wasn't satisfied, he still wanted more of God. And Moses knew that more of God wasn't something you experience in material things or in circumstances, but more of God was getting into his head and getting into his heart and seeing God and knowing God and being one with God. We think more of God is having more miracles happen and things going right in our life. 
I want to tell you, you will have more miracles and more things will go right when you get yourself in a God and you are consumed with who God is. Religion itself, even good Christianity, sometimes fools us with trappings and we go for the things and we go for the circumstance and we go for the experience. Moses said, okay, one more request. I know I could have the experience of the promised land, land of milk and honey and have your presence, but that still isn't enough. God, I want to get inside you. I want to see your glory. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to feel your heart beating against my chest. And you know what? The God who is no respecter of persons took Moses to the very place he asked to go. He already made one concession. He said, Moses, I'll do what you said. I'll do what you asked. Moses says, but I want more. Let's go to the next verse. And the Lord said, I will. We wonder why we pray and we ask God to do this and to do that and sometimes we don't see it. And we wonder why. And God is standing there and he's wondering, why don't you want to see him? We want to see his hand working. We want to see his spirit moving. We want to see his promises unfolding and coming to pass. Sometimes we're more intrigued with what God can do when God wants us to be intrigued with who he is. I love this guy. The more I read about Moses, and the more I grow in God, the more my appreciation for this man increases dramatically. I hate the sand. If we go to the beach, don't bother bringing a picnic lunch because somehow that sand and that grit will get between my teeth as I'm eating my Italian sub. <laughs> and gritty beach sand doesn't go good with salami and mozzarella. It doesn't matter how careful I am. I bite into that thing and it's like biting into eggshells. You feel the grit under your teeth, and it's like, okay, just wreck that sandwich. You might as well throw it away. I mean, if you're going to put something in the middle of my Italian sub, put a little bit of tomato sauce. Sand? Give me a break already. Are you kidding me? A little bit of olive oil, maybe even a bit of vinegar. Let's season the thing up, but don't put sand in there. Moses didn't care where he was, what he was experiencing. You see, when are we going to bring Christianity where it comes back to the heart of God? Amen. When are we going to bring worship back to the place where it's about the heart of God? When is your walk going to be about the God that you're walking with? And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. You know what that means? Moses asked for God's glory. Moses said, God, I experienced your holiness at the burning bush. But you're a lot more than just righteousness and justice. You intrigue me. You're like a multifaceted diamond. You're amazing. I want all of your glory. See, Moses is saying, I want to see you in living color. Job said, I lived on the rumors of you, but now I know you. And here's Moses. It doesn't matter how much he's experienced with God. His taste for God never weakens. It never dulls. We get excited about the fact that the Bible says God wants to take us from glory to glory, from one state of euphoria to another, from one miraculous experience to another and another. But Moses just wanted to see the glory of who God is. 
What's your Christianity built on? What's your worship built on? Where's your relationship going? Most of us are here waiting to get there. We think the finale is there. Moses realized the finale wasn't there. The finale was experiencing the fullness of God. We go to church, sign our name on an attendance book, we check in, and then we do our week. We're waiting to go home. And don't get me wrong, home's a great place. But I want to tell you, you could be in the backside of the desert and be in the center of seeing God and you're already in heaven. God says, I will let every layer of who I am sweep over you. Watch this. I want you to get this. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence and I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Verse 20. Do we have verse 20? Thank you. Well, you know what? I'll say it. So then God takes Moses and he puts him on a rock and he hides him in the carve out of the rock. So he's on the rock and he puts him in the rock. He is covered by the rock. That's Jesus. And then God, uh, yeah, it, it may be the next couple of verses. Don't worry about it, Matt. Thank you, though. You did brilliant. Give him a big hand. He's always on the ball. If you want to see God, your feet have got to be on the rock, and Jesus Christ is the rock. And the more you get hidden in Christ, the more of God you will see from the inside. And so God puts his feet on the rock and hides him in the cleft, a carve-out of the rock. And he puts him there and he says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass over you. All of my goodness. In other words, one virtue, one attribute of God at a time. You know what this was? It was a baptism in the middle of the desert. Moses came out of this experience dripping wet with God in the heat of the sun and in the drought of the desert. And so many times in the drought of the desert and the heat of the sun, we're looking for the God who can part the sea. And God says, why don't you just come and be fascinated with me? We're looking for what he can do. We're looking for the breakthrough. We're looking for the miracle. God says, I am the miracle. Just like Jesus said to Mary and Martha, your, son, your brother will rise in the resurrection, uh, will rise again. And they said, we know he will rise in the resurrection. Jesus said, no, I am the miracle. I am the resurrection. I am that I am that I am that I am. We get our eyes on so many things, our heart is pounding and beating for so many things, but it's in the fullness of God that the revelation and the joy and the fulfillment exists. So God takes one layer at a time of who he is and he baptizes Moses in a, in a whole atmosphere, all that gooey feeling, all that ecstatic electricity. He feels the love of God wave of wave after wave of it washes through him. And he goes, whoa, I get it, God is love. And then he feels the mercy of God. And then he feels the kindness of God. And then he feels the understanding of God and he breaks down weeping. God gets me. God gets me. God gets me. He experienced God. And you notice God said, I will say my name. Every one of the compound names of God. There are nine compound names in Hebrew. And every one of his compound names reveal a facet of who he is. Amen. Moses was in God. He got into God's head and he got into God's heart. 
And unfortunately, in the Christianity that we preach today here in America, all we want to do is get our name in the book of life. But God wants to get you in his heart of hearts and his mind of minds. See, God's calling right now. You see, Moses had the experience that he could have settled to just go to the promised land with the presence of God, but he wasn't satisfied. So, are you worshiping the God you heard about? Are you worshiping the God you encountered? Are you worshiping the God you now see? Because God wants you to see him. The God you heard about, the God you heard about will get you in the desert. It'll put you in the desert. The God you encounter will change your direction. And the God you see will take you to your destiny. If you're only worshiping the God you heard about, I'm sorry, my friend, you're still going to be in the desert. You live on the rumor of him. The God you encounter will change your direction. When you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, he will change your direction. But when you're not satisfied with just going to heaven and having your sins forgiven, and you want to experience God. Your quest, your desire, your hunger to know him. Not what he can do, but get into his head and into his heart. Then the God that you see will take you to your destiny. Amen. So many people are trying to find their purpose. You will never find your purpose outside of seeing God. Because your destiny is in the very one who conceived you in his thoughts and breathed you through his breath when he spoke your life into being. I'm going to close with this last verse. In Hebrews 11, chapter, verse 24. By faith Moses, when he grew up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, Verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. He valued God greater than the treasures of the promised land as well. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. And you could think, well, his reward was the promised land. They'd have their own land. No. Next verse. By faith he left, left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. When you can see him who is invisible, you can do the impossible. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask the worship team to come and join me out the front. I close this morning with this question and with this challenge. Do you worship the God you heard about? Religion will tell you a lot of things about God, but it's not the same as encountering Him. Do you worship the God you heard about? Your mom and dad grew you up as a Christian. Maybe your daddy was a preacher. Maybe your mommy was a preacher, a Sunday school teacher. Do you worship the God you heard about? Or do you worship the God you encountered? Are you still worshiping the God who died on the cross for you, rose again, and saved you?
And is that where your Christianity is? Are you just worshiping the God who saved you? Now he's your daddy. You're his son. I want to tell you, for those of you who have never asked Jesus Christ in your heart today, you need to go from the rumor of him into the encounter of him. You need to ask Christ in your heart. And for those of you who have asked Jesus in your heart, let me tell you, that's not where it's at. Just like Moses, Moses got to, it, to the promised land in the middle of the desert as he found out the promised land was getting inside of God. When you get inside of God's head and inside of God's heart, sweetheart, I want to tell you, there's nowhere better to go. You can go to your travel agency and you can look at all the pictures and all the glossy brochures. There is nothing else to see once you get into the head and the heart of God. And that's one of the things that I love about Bible college because it gives me the opportunity to take born-again Christians to a place deeper where they've never been before. But God wants to take you to a place deeper where you've never been before. He wants to take you from just being born again to getting inside his heart and inside his head because that's where the glory is, inside of him. Jesus said, I am in my Father. I am in my Father. He came, God became flesh to model a father-son relationship. And in this father-son relationship that he's modeling, he wants you, he wants us to know that as sons, he wants us in him. You see, we have a relationship with him. He's there, we're here. He's up there, we're going there. We have a relationship with him. He tore the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. The holy places where they served God. The holy of holies was where they stepped into God. And God wants you to step into Him. He actually doesn't want to just have a relationship with you. He wants you to get inside of Him. Jesus said, I am in my Father and my Father is in me. And then he gave us the opportunity. He said, you can be in me. And I can be in you. Every eye closed. If you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, this is a burning bush moment. Will you come closer? Moses saw the burning bush and he could have just dismissed it. Moses saw the burning bush and he could have said, ah, it's too hot to walk from here to there. I'm tired. <laughs> Moses saw the burning bush and he could have said, well, what's new? We're in a desert. The heat is, is burning everything up. Big deal. You can dismiss this opportunity. You can dismiss this burning bush situation. But Moses was wise enough to get up off his butt and say, I want to check this out. You know, sometimes bushfires just start because the sun is really hot. Moses could have dismissed that burning bush, but he sensed something was different. If you're sensing something's different, Jesus is knocking at the door and he wants to come into your life. He wants you to have an encounter with him. And if that's you, whether you've known him and you walked away, you've deserted him, you, you've sinned, you've backslidden, or you've never asked Jesus in your heart, you've been religious, baptized as a baby, but you've never asked Christ into your heart, you don't know if you're born again, I want you to raise your hand right now, right here, at this burning bush and say, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Come on, every eye closed, put your hand up. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Who else? Raise your hand. If someone else, you can put yours down. Thank you. Who else wants to ask Jesus in your heart right now? This goes beyond religion. This is an encounter. This goes beyond the knowledge of him.
Amen. Thank you. I see that hand. Come on. Come on. Who else wants to ask the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to have an encounter with you? Who wants to, who wants to do that? Raise your hand and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Those of you, I want to pray with you. Can I pray with you? I'd love to pray with you. Can I pray with you up the back? I'd love to pray with you. Why don't you ask your friends or family to come with you? I want to pray with you. Come on, church. Give them a big round of applause. Come. Come. It's all right. God bless you. Amen. I want everyone to join with me as we pray for these folk. You know, it's so simple. Good girl. Amen. You can stand with her, of course. Religion tells us about him, but we can encounter him. Jesus said, I stand at the door of your heart, the door of your situations, and I knock. I look for opportunities to come inside you. Today, Jesus will come inside you. But church, those of you that have done this, God now wants you to come inside of him. We live life with Jesus in us, but God wants us to live life inside of him. Life looks very different from the inside of God. I want everyone to repeat this prayer. Those of you right now, you beautiful ladies, repeat this prayer with me. We're going to ask Jesus into our heart. Would you like to do that? Dear God, I believe you love me. I know you love me. I haven't done anything to earn it. In fact, I've done things to push you away. I don't want to push you away anymore. God come to me Jesus Christ come into my heart right now live inside of me break these chains break this barbell break these weights off of me set me free forgive me of my sin heal the brokenness in me Jesus I am yours Come into my heart and be mine. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. Today, I am born again. A new life. My sins are forgiven. I am washed in the blood of the Son of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Come on, everyone, give them an applause. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus.